Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean here to break down some recent avalanche hockey. We're still working out the kinks on our Monday morning live shows. And of course, last night was a bit of a late game. So a bit of a slow start for us this morning. But here we are to uh, break down the avalanche losing again. Um, you know, it's, it's been a tough 2023 so far. I mean, the uh, the game last night against Florida Panthers was exciting at points. I mean, it was fast-paced, fun game to watch for the most part. Third-period energy from the Avs, and the crowd was amazing, but still just another inability to play a full 60 era. And, and that's ultimately what it's coming down to. Uh, you know, if you read my game story, if you read pretty much anybody that was in the, in, in, in the arena yesterday's game story, any media member, it's a lot of focus on the Miko Rantanen uh, penalty late in the game, the one that I personally didn't like. It's a lot of focus on the missed call on JT Comfort earlier before, which I don't mind if you also don't call the one on Ranton. And uh, it's a lot of focus on that. And then it's also a reminder that like, hey, the Avalanche, you know, probably didn't get a point out of this game because of that call. But ultimately, the reason why they lost is because you entered the third period down four to one. You had a terrible, terrible second period. And you're just not playing a full 60 minutes. I mean, you heard it when I talked to Kel McCarr yesterday. They, they're playing way too much catch-up hockey. They're constantly trying to come from behind. And it is literally physically and mentally exhausting. It's not just the fact that they're playing 30 minutes if you're Kale or Devon or 25-plus if you're Miko. It's just exhausting to always trying to be coming from behind. It's, it's not the kind of hockey you want to play. They've been doing that for about a month now. Yeah, especially at that pace, right? I mean, you have to come back from three goals in the third period. You really got to turn on the Jets. And I mean, you you touched on and it. And they the did. Op- yeah, <laughs> they absolutely did. We'll get we'll get there in a second. But the offense was completely halted in the second period. Four shots on goal. And that's during a time when they're trying to come back. They were down 3-1 at that time yep. as well. So just unable to really get any ground, un- unable to build much momentum in that second period. Um, and yeah, just the offense again, just finding spurts and moments to, to show up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I can't exactly pinpoint exactly what it is. That's, that's causing this. Um, I'm not going to say it's coaching. I'm not going to say it's effort related, but something, there's something mentally rattling this team. And it's a little bit hard to kind of put your head around because this is a team that's won a lot of games over the last three, four years and obviously just came off of a Stanley Cup. So they should be able to work past this. But like Jared said last week, my favorite quote he said was uh, he was asked something about like, can you use past experiences of knowing you're a good team to work past it? And he said, yes, but also we can't just rely on that. We have to actually come in and put in the work. We can't just sit there and be like, we're good. We're going to make the playoffs because we're the abs. We won the cup and we're beasts. Like, it doesn't work that way. And I don't think the team has that kind of a mentality. I think just something, something's a little off. Something is rattling them a little bit. And what you saw in the third period was the avalanche that we know and love. This is the team that we've watched for three, four, five years now that can score at will whenever they want to. Like the, the Arturi Lekkinen goal gets waved off for offside. You and I saw that offside before he even shot the puck. As soon as Devontae's entered the zone, we said offside, he scored. While everybody was quick to tweet goal tie game, like we looked at it like this is going to get called back. And it was. But did you feel in that moment when that goal got called back that the Avalanche weren't going to tie it? I still felt no, like they, no, they still had like yeah. 10 minutes left at that point. Yeah, they still had 10 minutes. And even if it was five minutes, I'm like, they're fine. They're playing totally fine. And it took like, what, a minute for JT Comfort to score after that? Like it was really quick. So they put four pucks past Bobrovsky. One of them got called back. 
in a mere in a mere five and a half minutes. Like this is the Avalanche you know can play, and it's not that they did any better with their opportunity or with their shots or were more relentless. It's just they got shots on goal. Yeah, they were more relentless. Obviously, yeah, they were the you know playing a team that was on their heels trying to you know uh, keep a three goal lead and 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 uh, you know is going to play a more defensive game. But you can't have four shots on goal in the second period. Like, you just can't do that. If you make it 10, if you make it 11, you've gotten at least one goal out of it. Like, Sergei Bobrovsky is a 9-10, goalie. One out of every t- 10 shots goes in. You're the avalanche. You're not just going to shoot quantity over quality. All your shots are quality. You're a damn good team. So just getting to 10 shots probably gets you a goal in the second period. It's a different game. Yeah, it's it just like you touched on. I feel like it, they're just in their own heads a little bit and maybe a little too much so to start the games and just overthinking what they need to do. I mean, yesterday I saw Alex Newhook out of the gate in the first period just flying. He was playing so hard and and just putting in a ton of effort, but sometimes that can be detrimental, right? If you're just thinking too hard about laying a body on someone or you're thinking too hard about skating a 1,000 miles per hour, um, you forget – about some of the intricacies of the game. And once the game calms down a little bit, once you get to that third period and your back's against the wall, it seems that they, they seem to thrive. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on, but it, it feels more mental because obviously they have the, the capabilities to get it done and they proved that in the third period. They just uh, have some hurdles to get over with themselves, it feels like, early on in these games. Yeah, and right now the Avalanche, look, they are... Through 39 games, they have a 551 points percentage, which which sounds, by the way, very, very, very alarming. And you know what? It kind of is. Like, if they win their next two games before the break, that'll put them at 47 points. Or not before the break, before the halfway point. That'll put them at 47 points in 41 games. That's a 94-point pace over a full season. But you also have to understand that, you know, they're going to be a lot better in the second half if they get healthy because that's not guaranteed, so on and so forth. So, like... It does look bad right now, but basically all of that is to say they are 20th in the NHL with a 551 points percentage. Their next three games are against the teams ranked 23rd, 24th, and 32nd, starting with the 32nd team, the Chicago Blackhawks. That only has 10 wins, granted two straight. Given the way they played in the third period, given what you said, there was that early jump. You kind of saw it like they were trying too hard, and then it kind of got away from them. Um I remember at one point the shots were eight to four and it was two to nothing Florida. Like that's how the avalanche started. They had a seven to two shot advantage and it was one, nothing Florida. Uh, given the way that they played in that third period, given the fact that I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. They look like a team that's right on the hump of going on a big streak. I thought it would be the Edmonton game given the way they came back from that, but then they laid an egg here early against Florida, but you got the 32 ranked Chicago Blackhawks. You got the 23rd and 25th ranked Red Wings and Senators after that. This is the time to be that third period team, not just go out there and collect points, not just go out there and win in regulation, which they haven't done in 11 days, but to go out there and have a three game stretch where you outscore the opposition like 16 to five, win a five, one game, win a six, three game, win a four, nothing game, like something like that. This is very, very doable. And if you do that, You're right back in the playoff, which you are in the playoff race. You're right back in a more comfortable playoff positioning. You're feeling a lot better about yourself. You maybe get Manson, Byram, some other guys back along the way, and you take off. Kind of like the Kraken are doing right now, right? They're kind of buzzing through. But I think with that, and if you have hopes of going on a little mini streak here to kind of resurrect the season, resurrect the mindset, I think the defensive issues really got to kind of clean themselves up. It felt like uh, we saw a couple guys – 
playing the passenger role last night. And I, I don't think we say this too often, but I don't think Devon Taves had a very good game. You brought up his offside play, kind of just a little bit boneheaded, a little bit distracted perhaps, and a couple tough plays out of him, um, turnovers and and just not looking at his best on the defensive end either. Same thing you can say with Sam Gerrard. It just doesn't seem like he was fully um, aware of everything last night. And, of course, when you have McDermott out in that third pairing too, you're, you're kind of putting yourself – in a tight spot. So the defensive issues I think are something that, that needs to be addressed. And that's something that, you know, I, I don't think we can sit here and say, Oh, I don't know what's going on because those problems to be appear to be pr- pretty glaring. Yeah. The, the defensive issues are very glaring and it's very, very, very safe to say Devon Caves had a terrible game against the Florida Panthers, just a bad, bad game. Uh, Sam Gerrard got better as the game went on, but he also looked clueless and lost at times. Couldn't really make a good pass. Couldn't really collect a pass. Couldn't get off a good shot. And I'm not just talking about the puck that bounced over him. That's just bad luck, unfortunately, at the worst possible time. But throughout the game, there were a ton of other opportunities for him to really have a better game. And it just seems like I don't know if I don't know if Sam Gerrard is just nervous coming out of that injury that he had against the Blues in the playoffs last year, the sternum. Uh, but the reality is, to me, Sam Gerrard has not been the same since that Vegas Golden Knights series in 2021, not in 2022, that playoff series. Because uh, last year, he wasn't the best in the regular season. He was good, but he wasn't the best. So he was definitely better than he is this year, I will say that. So Sam Gerrard did not have a good game. Devon Taves did not have a good game. Uh, Curtis McDermott kind of did. It was weird. Brad Hunt was kind of uh, not very noticeable. Eric Johnson was invisible, which is a good thing for a defenseman. Kale McCarr was Kale McCarr. So when you have your top three defensemen are Gerard, Taves, and McCarr, you can't have two of them having bad games on the same night and expect to win. And you almost won regardless, but you can't have that. I'm probably going to make some people roll their eyes into the back of their heads with this comment. But I mean, F- Florida just has an element of physicality to their game that just seems to bother the apps. And it, it, it's not that they can't play with it. It's not like they can't tolerate it, but I think it gets under their skin a bit more than you'd like it to. And I think Sam Gerard kind of got involved in that. And um, I'm not saying it hurt his game. It, it, that might've even been the moment his game turned around and started playing better. But I think Florida just had this chippiness to them that the avalanche just didn't seem to want to tolerate it. Um, and, you know, obviously I think the refs played a hand in, in making the avalanche angry, but we saw with Miko Rantanen's rant to end the game there, that there was a, a huge element of frustration with the avalanche. So I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't think they don't want to tolerate it, but I also think they, they just didn't know how to handle it is ultimately like they probably wanted to have that game right back at them and play that game right back at Florida, but they, they couldn't get it done properly. Like you saw Curtis McDermott fight a guy that to be honest with you, he kind of mugged him. Like he, he, he mauled him. He yeah. ambushed him. He said, oh, uh, I didn't know we were fighting. Yeah. Giovanni Smith. He was really pissed because that's a young, tough kid that probably was annoyed that he didn't really get a good look at dropping the gloves at the same time and being part of that fight at the same time. Well, you know, Sam Gerard was involved in a lot of that, but this is what happens when you don't have Nazem Kadri, who's obviously gone, but also more importantly, no Josh Manson, no Gabe Landeskog. Those are two mm-hmm. big pieces of that type of game. Mm-hmm. If there's an MVP from the game yesterday, yeah, sure. Matthew Kachuk had two goals and he was great, but it's Nick Cousins. 
Nick Cousins was the dude that was getting under Sam Gerrard's skin. And we saw Gerrard go back to him three, four times and try to tangle number 21 for the Florida Panthers. And Nick Cousins was the guy that Miko ranted and said, smart players do smart things. When we asked him, did you think Nick Cousins embellished that play at the end, the penalty on Miko? Jared absolutely said it. I asked Kale the same question. He didn't want to go there. Miko didn't want to talk about the refs, but also talked about the refs when he said, uh, you know, I thought it was a little bit of an embellishment. Smart players know how to do smart things like that. And that's what Nick Cousins did. He was the MVP of playing that exact role you're talking about. He's a guy that makes $1.1 million to play a depth role on the Florida Panthers for this season and next. That's what you expect out of guys like Cogliano, O'Connor, and Helm when Cogliano, O'Connor, and Helm can play their role as fourth liners and not be middle six guys and sometimes top six guys, which is what's happened to this team. So it goes right back to what you and I talked about on Friday when we recorded. The problem with the Avalanche right now isn't that they have injuries. It's that with the injuries, their top guys are now being overplayed and their depth guys are not playing their roles. They're playing above and beyond their roles, which is causing them to be less effective. Logan O'Connor can't play the role Logan O'Connor plays against someone like Nick Cousins. Darren Hellman, Logan O'Connor, uh, Darren Hellman, Andrew Cagliano, the other guy, can't be the veterans that they are, the savvy veterans that know how to respond to Nick Cousins because those guys are being asked to play more than they should be. Those guys are being asked to play a bigger role, which then elevates JT Comfort to a top six forward, which then elevates Alex Newhook to a top six forward, which then makes Miko play 24, 25 minutes, Kel McCarr 30 plus. It's the Friday podcast all over again. So that's the big issue right here. It's not that I don't think the Avalanche didn't want to tolerate it. They just couldn't find a way to, 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 to handle it. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. And yeah, the time on ice, I think, is looping it back into the defensive issues, right? That That's something you can draw parallels to for a guy like Devon Tabes, who I'm not saying he's injured by any means, but we've seen him in the last year and a half be in and out of, of injury phases, right? So putting a lot of wear and tear on him probably isn't the best option right now. I mean, Kale McCarr handling it well, but even at a fit age and at a f- the, the physical um, abilities that he has, I still don't think it's it's great to be playing 30 minutes almost every night. But, um, you know, Kale McCarr kind of brushed it off a little bit and just said that's that's what happens when you're playing from behind. So, I mean, it is what it is, and you just uh, kind of have to keep building off of, of, of the, the positivities that you built in that third period. Yeah, exactly. And And look, like this is the second game in a row we've seen Nathan McKinnon score a sick goal. This is the second game in a row we've seen the team explode offensively. Get, you know, uh, get offense like help from guys like Brad Hunt. <laughs> what a goal that was. Uh, from guys like uh, Andrew Cogliano. This is the perfect time for them to get over this hump. Most importantly for me, the biggest thing about this is not just the fact that they're playing three bad, you know, lower teams in the standings. I don't want to say bad teams because in the NHL, there's like one bad team. Hell, the one bad team this year is Chicago and they're playing them next game. And then Detroit and Ottawa. It's not just that. It's not just coming out of the third period. It's also, and this might be a very underrated uh, return, but having a healthy Pavel Fransos is going to be huge because Alexander Georgiev was great to start the year. Then he dipped. Then he got better. Now he's on his 12th straight start. If he starts the next game, it'll be 13, which I sort of think it'll be Frankie against Chicago. We'll see. But it's starting to get to him. This is not a goalie. Georgiev is a goalie that the most career games he started in a season was 32. 
We all expected him to pass and match that this year. Obviously, the Avalanche signed him to be a starter. They acquired him. They gave him a $3.4 million deal. They didn't do all of that to play him 32 times and play Frankie and somebody else 50 times. He has already, however, started 30 of the first 39 games. He's on pace to start 65, 66, 67. These are not numbers you see in the NHL now. This is not what it's supposed to be. So having Frankie back is going to help. The Avalanche have 10 games between now and January 28th. After January 28th, they have a break until I think February 8 or 9. It's the all-star break. It's the bye week all lumped into one. There's about an 8 to 10 day break. Over these next 10 games, if Frankie is healthy, you got to play him four to five times. If not six, let Georgie rest a little bit. Let him reset. Let him be on the bench watching the game getting a little bit of a reset because like I said on Friday, even the best players need that. And having Frankie back is going to help with that big time because right now the difference between the avalanche winning games and losing games, you know, is obviously it's the fact that they're not playing a full 60, but it's the fact that, and I'm not dissing the guy by any means, they're just not getting that steal of a save from a goalie when the game is tied. They're not getting that right now. Uh, Georgie made a lot of big saves when it was three to one. He made a lot of big saves when it was four to one, but if he made a big save when it was zero, zero or one, zero, a couple times, maybe the avalanche aren't in a three goal hole. And the reason why he's not making those saves is because he was visibly upset three games ago. You're starting to see the frustrations. He may or may not be exhausted. He's just playing a lot of hockey. He needs a mental reset and having Frankie back will help. I have no idea why you got into that because that was a topic I was going to get into later on in the show. Um, but uh, I just wanted to get to here. Let's try something out here. This is Kale McCarr after last night's game. Um, just telling us about what went right in that third period and kind of how they need to build off of what they did. Um, kind of like I said, here's some ideas of what they can build off of. Let's see how this goes. We're just attacking. Um, we had that attack mentality. We were, we were on our heels. Um, Especially even myself in the back end, I felt like we were breaking pucks out, working harder in the corners and getting pucks up to our forwards, giving them opportunities to get into the ozone. Because I feel like we had some good four-trick chances in the first two periods, but um, guys were always changing in and out, so it was tough to get anything going. But uh, in the third, I felt like we had some stuff going. But, um, Sorry, did you have a look? I love how you interrupt him just like you interrupt me. It's not just a me thing. You know what? This is why we have a host on podcast to real guys like me back in when he go on, you know, another one of those air of three minute rants. Uh, the big one that I took away from that was something that I noticed big time was every time it looked like we had a chance, guys were going for a change. Guys were switching up. We, you know, we didn't have the legs or whatever he said to go. That basically says to me exactly what we saw yesterday. The avalanche would get hemmed into their own zone for 30, 40, 50 seconds. By the time it looks like they are ready for a breakout, it's too late because the guys on the on the ice are tired. It used to be the Avalanche are very good at possessing the puck. And when they lose the puck, Jared Bednar's style of play is to go and get the puck back and get it back quickly and transition the other way. The problem is they're getting the puck back and they're transitioning way too late into their shifts. So you get to the red line, you dump it in, you go for a change, you hope the next guys can do it. And that's, that's one of the biggest things that I noticed yesterday. Yeah, I also saw Florida doing a really good job of kind of holding them in like you said they're getting hemmed in uh their zone exits weren't as as clean as we've seen them recently right i saw florida really putting pressure on that blue line almost pinching a little too aggressively but it got to the avalanche to where by the time they were able to get it out they were exhausted so um yeah makes sense for me and also makes sense why you're seeing such high time on ice because they're getting stuck out there at times, but let's take a quick pause to uh, get to our friends from Superbook Sports, guys. It's still early in 2023, and this still could be the year that you win money in 2023. 
with Superbook Sports. Superbook has gone over three decades with sports wagering experience in Las Vegas. So you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs here just around the corner. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year where you win money from Vegas and download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bet. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I checked out Superbook Sports kind of recently a few months back and I, what I really like about them is they do have an app that's specifically for Superbook Sports Colorado. So they have, you know, hands-on help and it's it's kind of localized the way they run things. So I like the way they operate and then of course we love we love Total Beverage guys. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pick available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, getting back to Pavel Francouz, Arif, um, 100%. I mean, I, I think it's going to be fantastic that he's back in. It's also fantastic that you pointed out that the schedule's a little bit weaker right now. So a, a good opportunity for Pavel Francouz to not only hop in and take some rest um, and take some games off of Georgiev's plate, but also to build up some confidence because I know I know he's not 100% right now. I mean, I've been watching him. I've been going early when I do go to practice or, or uh, morning skates. I, I try to go early to see what the goalies are up to, what the goalies are working on, and, and I can see him really catering to his injuries lately and just making sure he gets his extra stretches in. So, you know, that kind of tells me it, it, it's not 100%, but it's good enough to go, and that's all the Avalanche kind of need right now is – a deep breath for Alexander Georgiev, a chance to sit back and um, just, you know, collect some electrolytes and um, maybe even study the game a little bit and, and get some different angles on, on shots and plays. But uh, no, Francis being back in the lineup, I think you, you touched on it pretty well, but it's coming at a huge moment. I'm just hoping he is uh, as ready as the avalanche need him to be. Yeah. I mean, right now you, you can expect 100% ready. Uh, this is not the year. This is not the avalanche of last year where, you are so far ahead in the standings, you can rest guys and bring them back when they're fresh and ready. We are what now witnessing the Avalanche having to do something that 29 of 32 teams do every year, where you're getting guys back early. They're probably not fully healthy. We are now witnessing the Avalanche do something that they themselves probably had to do in, let's say, 2018 or in 2019 when they were in a playoff race to the very end and ended up in the wild card spot both times. So what we've seen from the Avalanche last year and even in 2021 when they won the President's Trophy in 2020, when they were one of the best teams in the West before the COVID pause, where they have the ability and the freedom to rest guys, to give them more time to be, to make sure they're 100% ready, that's not the case anymore. Uh, and that's just the reality the reality of it. And and whose fault is that? Is anybody's, you know, is, is not a question worth answering because it happens. A lot of the teams have to go through this. And right now the Avalanche just need Pavel Francis to come back and be a quality player. Um, you know, to, to a limit and to an extent that is reasonable and, and manageable for him to play and to give Georgie rest. Yeah. Just kind of have to be adequate. Right. And I, I, I think back to, what was it? Two seasons ago already now, the, the Hunter Miska phase that the avalanche went to, went through and just how, 
even when Jonas Johansson would be in net, you would just notice there was a, a change in the way the Avalanche played, yeah. you know, for better or worse. And I'm not comparing Pavel Francouz to Johansson or Hunter Miska, but just simply having a different guy back there might present a, a welcome change, a welcome different feel just to kind of shake things up a little bit. Right. And, and just have a different energy. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're going to be playing better or worse in front of Pavel Francouz, but just simply having that different vibe back there, I think, can can just provide all the shakeup they might need. Yeah, absolutely. That that genuinely like that really is a thing. And right now, look, the team isn't down on Georgie. They don't hate having him in goal. But right now, there is a thought in the back of their mind that we have a goalie back there that has played twelve straight games, uh, that hasn't had his best performances over these last twelve games, has shown frustrations over these last twelve games. Having happy go lucky Pavel Francouz back there is going to really change the mindset. I one hundred percent believe that's a thing, and any player would admit that. Yeah, as long as his his body holds up, and um, of course, take advantage of the teams they're playing. We we thought the same thing going in Vancouver, and they ended up dropping that. So you know, facing these weaker opponents, <laughs> have to take um, grasp and and make sure the opportunity doesn't slip. Uh, let's see. I had a couple other things I wanted to get to, but you 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 kind of buzzed right through those. One of them. One of them was Miko. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess I wanted to get a little bit deeper into his um, rant, right? Miko rant. And then for a reason, he, wa- he was frustrated last night yeah. after the game. And he, he wasn't afraid to tell us. So we walked into the locker room and he wasn't there, right? He, uh, so yeah. we're like, ah, shoot, he was too angry. He, he probably got undressed quick and got the heck out of here. He came back in and made his frustrations heard. And I think he did a good job of balancing, calling out the refs and making his <laughs> point heard. But Here's one thing that I know as a as a European descendant myself, my family from Spain, Miko ranted and got his hands involved in the conversation. <laughs> and when his hands start getting involved, you know he's angry, you know he's feeling emotional about what he's feeling. Let me just quickly play that. Hopefully this goes um as well as the Kale McCarr thing did. Um and then we'll we'll talk about his rant in a second. <laughs> Smart players do that. Can't be more clear. We got a call. Exact same call. Two games ago or something. Like I'm not. I'm not saying anything about the refs. I'm just saying it's a high stick. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's the guy in the face. But I can't say anything about the refs on the ground. Maybe it happened too quick. I don't know. I don't know what's the reason. Does that whole trend of events make it more fun? That is by far my favorite quote ever. I'm not saying anything about the refs. I'm just saying it's a high stick. After talking about the refs, he was very nervous about mentioning something about the refs, and you can kind of notice it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was a very interesting. It was a very different kind of Miko in press conference because as soon as he was approached by media when he came back into the locker room like you said it was what what's what, what's up what do you want to hear and then like you can tell there was that instant frustration and then he started to kind of dial it back a little bit but he also did mention like you saw it right you saw that what what was the the quote was did you see that high stick before did you see that it can't be more clear high stick and then you know he went on to what you were mentioned what you played of you know we got called for the exact same call two games ago or something so it started really angry and he started to dial it down as he went along 
because you can tell he wanted to toe that line of what he's allowed to say, but he wanted to make sure the message got across that he's frustrated. He's pissed. He didn't like that call. Uh, like I said earlier, Jared Bednar agreed that he didn't like the call, the missed call on JT 30 seconds earlier as well. He thought Nick Cousins uh, embellished, which, you know, you heard Miko say smart players do smart things. Um, my favorite part about the whole thing was at the very end of it, when Miko turned, when we, when we stopped the cameras and everybody got away, Miko turned to the avalanche PR guy and said, I didn't trip the reps. Did I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I was just saying it's a high stick. Like he wanted to make it very clear that he wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining. I don't want to get a call from the NHL for this. I don't want to make it sound like I'm blaming it on the refs, but you can tell he was really pissed about that play. Yeah, it was, it was funny how he was trying to go back and forth between being angry and being reasonable so that he didn't get fined. It was definitely a worry on his mind, that's for sure. But I don't know if you saw on Twitter where uh, old Avalanche friend Shane O'Brien pointed out the hooking call against Arturi yes. Lekkanen and how terrible that call was yep. as well. And I'm never one, and I know you aren't either, to sit here and blame the refs and, sit and you know, woe is me. Um, the refs really screwed the avalanche on this one, but um, there, there needs to be. I understand when a, a referee has a mistake, but then I understand when a, a mistake costs us a game. So I think, I think Miko Rantanen normally can approach it with patience, but seeing how frustrated he got, seeing how he was cussing at the ref visibly uh, during the call. I mean, I, again, I'm not throwing stones at the ref, but th there is something to be said about bad refing here and there. Look, and bad refing happens. This is the one thing that listeners, you're not going to want to hear it. People on Twitter, you're not going to want to read it. The refs aren't out to get the avalanche. Uh, nothing I hate more than when the avalanche, a bad call goes against the Avs, which bad calls go against everybody 17,000 times a season. A bad call goes against the avalanche, and it's typical effing refs, effing the Avs. Like, it's, there is nothing there is nothing against the Colorado avalanche. Like the refs are not plotting against your team. Refs are just terrible in every league. The refs are terrible. It's, it's a hard game to ref. The NHL is a, the hockey is a hard game to ref. The NHL is the fastest league in the world. It's only getting faster. It's passing these refs by really quickly, which is why you're seeing a lot of new young blood inserted into this refing. It's a hard sport to ref and it will always come with human error and a ton of it. And the faster the sport gets, sport gets, the more you have goal scoring lines on the fourth line and not a bunch of Curtis McDermid's and Scott Parker's and guys like that in your bottom six, the harder it is going to be to ref, the more you're going to see calls go, you know, the wrong way. It is what happens. The archery lacking in one, the reason why, look, five, six years ago, there was that there was that phase in the NHL where every week it seemed like a player had a broken hand or a broken finger. I think Sidney Crosby. Uh, one slashed a guy at like a, I forget that maybe Mark Mathot. I feel like yeah, it was, that yeah, sounds it was, right. It was Mark Mathot where like his finger was hanging. Like Ugh. there was a lot of slashing, a lot of infractions to the hand, and the NHL said we're fucking done with this. You get your stick around a player's hand, we're gonna call a penalty, and that's what happened to Arturi Lekkinen. Do I agree with it? I think it was a little bit soft, but I understand the reason why it was called. Which again, fast sport, fast game. You people will notice this happen a lot where. I'll tweet something and right away, seven people will correct me. Here's an example. Curtis McDermott scores yesterday. Seven people right away tweeted at me. Cogliano got a touch. Cogliano tipped it. Cogliano tipped it. Here's the difference. When you're watching it live, you don't get the same 
feel that you get watching it on TV where you have, you know, not Mark Mosher yesterday, the ESPN announcers, but usually Mark Mosher, whoever explaining what's happening right away, getting four to five replays of what's happening and being able to be like uh, Cogliano touch that. Like when you're watching it on TV, McDermott shoots and, you know, Cogliano looks like it was tipped in. You don't see that from the press box. So basically the reason why I give that example is to say as a ref, you see Arturi Lekkonen's hand or stick go up by his hand, by the opposition's hand. Right away, you think like, okay, this is this is going to be a slash. We got to call it. The NHL cracked down on this. You don't get the you know the pleasure in that moment of watching three or four replays before your hand goes up. Was it a bad call? Yes. Will the ref admit that if you know you gave him some truth serum and had him sit back and watch it? Probably. Yeah, he'd be like, yeah, that was a bad call. But you got to understand why these calls happen. This game is a hard game to ref. There are certain things that are cracked down on. And and it's the same reason why. Like the Kale McCarr penalty that he waved off a couple weeks ago against the Islanders. There's a reason why the ref called that penalty. No, I don't hear anybody sitting there saying the ref tried to fuck the Islanders or screw the Islanders. I don't hear anybody saying that. Because it wasn't, you know, a call that went against the Avalanche. So again, bad calls happen on every team. But the reason why that ref called that penalty is because the NHL cracks down on stick infractions. As soon as a stick goes near a player's skate and the player falls, that in your brain says he probably tripped him. And then when you look back at the replay, you're like, eh, McCarr slipped and McCarr waved it off. So that's just another example. These things happen. It is unfortunate, but it's just, it's a tough game to ref. And like, we need to wrap our heads around that. It's not going to get easy. Well, and I think the part Avs fans need to really focus their ire towards and their frustrations is the fact that both penalties called two for two on uh, the power Bingo. play at Florida Panthers were. Bingo. So be, be more upset at the Avalanche's inability to kill a penalty last night than the ref calling them because only two calls in a game, that's not bad, right? And if the Avalanche are complaining about both of the calls, it's kind of rough. 0 for 3 on the power play in a completely full six minutes of PP time. 0 for 2 on the PK in 2.59. And the second goal took, what, a minute 40? The first goal took, I think, a minute 19 to score. You can't have that. You can't go 0 for 2 on the PK and expect to win a game. It's 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 frustrating that it ended the way it did, but you got to get a big save or you got to get a big kill when it matters most, and the Avalanche didn't get any of those things. Not in the first period when they fell behind, not in the second period when they were trying to crawl back in. Not in the third period after they tied the game. Those are the things that lead to losses. I bet you if we were on the Florida Panthers side and if the Panthers had ended up losing that game five to four, we can pinpoint four or five missed calls against the Avalanche that resulted in the Panthers loss. But we don't focus on those things. We are programmed. uh, Well, let me say this to, to our listeners. You are programmed as a fan to focus on the things that hurt your team, not the other team. And you're never going to focus on those things. It's just the way it goes. Cool. Moving on. Uh, yeah, you acknowledged McDermott, two assists, and a kind of fight there. So uh, we could skip right through that. I guess the most recent news surrounding the Avalanche is that Joe Sackick is to join the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee. Um, not the craziest news, but I think what it really tells me is that Joe Sackick plans to be around for a long time, not just yep. uh, the foreseeable future. He's not near retirement. He's not near making his uh, home in Fort Lauderdale his uh, his only uh, residence, right? So that's uh, that's the that's what my takeaway is for for that news, I guess. Yeah, and my takeaway from that is exactly what we've known forever. Joe Sackick is one of the most respected names in hockey. And uh, we'll get into this more after we, uh, you know, talk to Jared Bednar, maybe some players and get their opinions on it, just what it means exactly and, and, and how the NHL uh, or the Hockey Hall of Fame and, and the committee 
goes about picking their guys. Uh, so we'll get into it more then. Uh, in the meantime, avalanche. Yep, indeed, indeed. Um, all right, I guess this is a good place to stop. Things are getting funky on us technologically here. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us on this edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Don't forget about our friends at Superbook Sports as well as Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster for all your adult libation needs. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. We'll be back later this week. Let's make hockey for everyone. We got you.